Rico's gonna give you, what Rev is gonna give you, what Ben is gonna give you, what all three are gonna give you. The Big D. Rico's gonna give you, what Rev is gonna give you, what Ben is gonna give you, what all three are gonna give you. The Big D. Rico, Rev, and Ben, yet they're at it again. Breaking down the team, putting stats up in your head. Nothing left unsaid. They're leaving it all on the field. Just like the favorite team, raising two cups and we'll chill. The knowledge is a real for a trio so true. To representing the great red, white, and blue. And you love them too. That you can't deny, so just one time. Let me hear Dallas till I die. Chico's gonna give you what? Rev is gonna give you what? Ben is gonna give you what? All three are gonna give you the Welcome to Big D After Dark this evening, our final episode of a of an eventful 2021 season. Didn't quite go our way or the way for FC Dallas that we wanted to see, but we still have a lot to talk about after a, a, a season-ending one um, one-to-one draw in San Jose for FC Dallas. We'll break down that a little bit. Talk about uh, the coaching search, how we'd grade the team, and what's next for this team. And of course, a little love to our boys. The United States men's national team. So excited to have you. We'll take your comments and questions live, shape the conversation. Thanks for joining us here on Big D After Dark. One more time. That's right. And there we are. We're live. We are live, um, a little stripped down setup here tonight, but we are ready to go. Uh, thanks for joining us, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this final show of of our After Dark live podcast extravaganza experience. experience. And it has been an experience this year with technical issues and all kinds of things, a lot of learning, but we're here to have fun and we're excited to welcome a new voice to add some expertise and some perspective into the mix. Of course, I'm Nathan Hill. You can follow me at Nathan J. Hill on Twitter. I hope I remember everybody's Twitter handle. There uh, next to me is our, our good buddy, Jose Carmona, at El Chico Carmona. And Ooh. Tommy LaBeouf down there. Below me on the Brady Bunch screen, uh, at Tom underscore FC Dallas. Did I get it right? I got it yes. right. All right. And a new friend, Ismail Belcora. Um, and it's at Belcora... Oh, okay, got it. Before it's no, got it on Twitter. Good. All right, we're glad to have you guys. And Ismail, thanks for joining us tonight. Just get jumping in, feet first into this into this mix of conversation and nonsense. All right, and of course, for the folks following us, watching with us, send in your comments, your questions. That they pop up here, we can use them. They'll direct and change our conversation. We'll have some fun together. All right. So let's get right to it. We're going to start off with a post-game clip. I got to ask Marco Ferruzzi, uh, interim head coach, Rusty Dallas, a question after the San Jose match. I basically said, give me your thoughts on the match. And then, uh, and then you know, give us a sense of what you take for this FC Dallas team going forward. It's uh, a few minutes clip. Let's just get ourselves situated and listen to what Marco has to say. And then we'll react uh, at the close of this season. Uh, no, we didn't achieve what we wanted to out of this year. Uh, there's some, there's definitely some lights that are, you know, maybe for off the field, not in terms of results uh, in the tournament and uh, uh, getting into playoffs was an objective as well. We didn't reach that. Uh, in many ways, what you have to take in silver linings is the um, the uh, character that's come out of it in terms of applying that to next year. Um, consistent theme over the last couple of months. Um, uh, especially when, you know, things started to take that turn where it looked like things were going to be an uphill struggle. Uh, everybody showed up to play. Again, we didn't quite get the results that we needed. 
But, you know, even in a day like tonight, a uh, game like tonight, um, you, you see sometimes teams or players capitulate. And that hasn't been the case with any of the guys in the squad. Um, so, you know, coming into an environment even like tonight where it's a, a bit of a celebration for San Jose fans, Wondolowski, and, you know, credit to him for sure. Uh, they were playing a serious game. Uh, they were playing with attitude. They were playing professionally. Um, and our guys showed up as well, you know. And though we tied, we felt like we had a, an opportunity to win. These are all parts of the character building that we're going to take into next year. Um, there'll be, you know, roster changes uh, as is normal in the offseason. Uh, we don't quite know what, they, what those are, what it's going to look like. But all of that is going to be informed by the, the year that we just had, Nathan. So we're going we're gonna to use all of this information, not just pure stats, uh, pure results, but the fact we did find success when you saw uh, maybe some steely play out of the group. And I think that the group started to adapt into playing a little bit more of a pragmatic MLS style at times. And we were, we were functional in it as well. All right, there we go. We just heard, um, just heard from Coach Marco, interim head coach Marco Fruzzi, with this comment, which I think is interesting about the team playing a little more of an MLS pragmatic style team that didn't give up, even though things certainly didn't go their way. Um, but a team who's also going to experience a lot of change. I felt a little hint of uh, it was interesting. In the post game, especially in the overall thing, there was a lot of there's a little bit of, of talk that since from him, like that would indicate that he thinks he's going to be around a little bit longer. Um, he's going to be making some decisions, and he may be longer than that. I don't know. I mean, that was just the sense, and maybe that should be okay. He has got the job right now. Why shouldn't he talk like it? But I'm just curious, you guys, if it lined up with what you saw on the field. Did we see under Coach Marco Fruzzi after Lucci Gonzalez was fired? Uh, did we see a more pragmatic style? Did we see this team grow and get better or stronger enough to to give Marco a uh, a nod for locking down the job permanently? Uh, Jose, we'll start with you. Well, I mean, listening to him talk, I mean, how do you say rebuilding year without saying rebuilding year? Because it's pretty much what he was saying, you know, it's like uh, the foundations, you know, uh, we're going to take it to next year. And, and honestly, that's, Pretty much what it sounded like to me, like, hey, you know, we're we're in real building mode, but he didn't come out and say it. And uh, you know, pragmatic. I mean, if you're saying, hey, you know, go out there and don't embarrass us, that's pretty much he achieved that. I mean, they they went out there and they, you know, there was no more three three shootouts, four three shootouts, whatever that we're getting there at tail end with, with Lucci. But I don't know. It's it's. I don't personally. I don't think he's done enough to convince me that he's the guy going into next year. At least not if you're trying to excite, excite the uh, uh, the fan base. If that's your goal, is to get the fan base excited, that's not going to happen. Uh, but he clearly knows the club, and he gave playing time to the guys that that are likely to come back next year, and 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 are potentially going to improve. You know, Tuamasi, Tafari. Surreal, Cervania, you know, all, uh, all these guys, all these young guys, I thought got good extended runs that will serve them good into next season. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, said, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I'm not convinced he's the guy for the job, but even if he doesn't get the job, I don't think he's going anywhere. I think he'll remain as an assistant on a team. So he's not going anywhere, whether he remains the, uh, top man, uh, I can't say. Mm-hmm. Tommy, what about you? Yeah, I don't know that he should be anything, and I didn't—I didn't expect him to come in and change the world either, because uh, you know, for the whole year, I watched his team play. I watched his team open up at home, playing not to lose with Lucci, and uh, you know, I saw a lot of things that questioned what kind of team we had. Now, do I think it's a bad team? I don't know. It, it's not necessarily a bad team. I think we have good players. Um, I think that, as we said before, we don't have a couple superstars that other teams have that could make the difference in the whole world. Um, you know, I, I think there are a couple positions right back that 
start off with Munjama. Like, I'm no, no disrespect to Munjama, but he, he's not a starter in MLS in my book. And he had no competition to be pushed to be a starter initially. You know, we didn't see Justin Che for a whole month or so. I mean, where did this guy come from? I didn't even know who Justin Che was because I just hadn't been following the the, uh, the other leagues. But, um, <coughs> you know, if we if we take a step back and we go back, let me my analogy would be when Lucci got the job, everybody was like, yeah, Lucci can do it. I remember Daniel Robinson, the guy that used to run, the uh, the digital media for FC Dallas. He posted. He says, you know, this guy's that you know, this team is going to do everything for Lucci, and they did. I think they did. And but I, honestly, I, as I you know, we've talked before. Is it the coaching or the players? My needle, my weight is going to be like we need to have a little better of a lineup than the coaching. You know, I think you know, you watch the USA play. Herrera <laughs> and Pepe. We had um, Acosta, Zimmerman. All these are FC Dallas players that were around the last five, six years where we have not been a good team, but they were with other good players. Did you see how good Ferrero was with the with the one two with McKinney getting that goal at the end? Ferrero almost got a goal on that that little kickback. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna say mm-hmm. like we were a few years ago when Lucci came in, you know, um Peruzzi is an FC Dallas guy. And I, I would like to promote within the, the club then bring someone that we don't know. You know, just as we talk about, hey, why are we bringing these, these players from South America, Central America that can't play? I like the USA players that we have, the young players that we have that are give it all. They're from our, you know, they're local. They're our, they're our players, but we need to supplement the team with a few superstars. Mario Diaz, you know, and that may be Paxton, you know, but uh, Paxton has been recovering. We've seen a lot of flashes with Paxton. So anyway, answer the question, I would be okay with Peruzzi. I don't think that he showed us anything, but I don't. I didn't expect him to. All right, all right, Ismail. Uh, you and we already got a comment that said turn up, Ismail. So we're we're having some audio. So he'll he'll talk loudly unless your your roommates are snoring over there or something. But do your best. I mean, I mean, I think what's the most telling about this, and and uh, kind of sad when you think about it. The most telling thing is that. There is not a lot of leeway when it comes to thing and when it's good and when it's not. Like the, the there's a fine line because this team has been a playoff team eight out of the last like 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 eight out of the last ten years I think. Um, and during that time, it has always had issues with players leaving uh always had issues with uh like with players leaving but then we'd always be able to replace those players and it would always we'd always stay we would always be stable or generally make the playoffs generally play well and this season showed that the depth was really not good enough that players that were supposed to step up and player in, in in the spots where we lost like a brian reynolds or a Thiago Santos, the players that were supposed to step up, couldn't do it. And I, I think like it was it was interesting because when you go back and look at what people were saying beforehand, like before the season started, is that that there's a lot of like that there was a lot of depth in this team. And I was like, yeah, I think most of us believe that uh, Eddie Munjoma could take the step up, uh, that uh, that we could replace Santos with someone else in the system. Uh, that 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 we that we would be able to continue to build from within and create a good roster that could be competitive. And it's like it. I think that the I think that the dam broke and it showed that like you can't just you can't continue to replace positions with players from the academy or from the second team with without time to adjust. Or sometimes the players just aren't good enough like you're like you're not always going to be able to bring up a brian reynolds from the academy and create him into a superstar and like keep that talent so you have to have contingencies and that just didn't exist this year there was no contingency mm-hmm. for uh like there, there was no contingency when there was there's no left mid there's no real left mid until shown arrived and he never played uh or barely played uh, Mujoma mm. 
could not perform and Che after a while could not perform, uh, there, it, what it showed really to me was there has to be stability. We have to have at least a few players that stay locked in on this team for the foreseeable future. Because if we keep allowing the revolving door and keep playing players out over and over and over throughout the season, at some point, like in the next two or three years, we're going to be that kind of team that every single year is going to be written off as, well, they're not going to be in the playoffs. Let's just be honest. And that's mm-hmm. not a good place to be. Our buddy Todd Chatterley uh, posted uh, and um comment that you know to to Tommy's point 60 points when Acosta and Zimmerman were on the team in in 2015 and 2016 only MLS club to hit 60 in back-to-back seasons and that was those were some those were some good years yeah you know to furthermore to Ismael's point is not only you know letting uh Santos and Reynolds go but when were that let go and when do their replacements come in Santos was let go was was Moved away, what, one week before season started? His replacement, Kiyong, came in, what, three months later? When did Sean come in? In the middle of the season. I mean, come on. You know, are we trying to win? Are we, you know, I mean, the, the riding is on the wall. We're here to sell players, you know. I mean, that's the bottom line, in my opinion. And and to fill the gap there, you know, when Kiyong came in, Tesman had been starting in that position, and he yeah, got, you forgot about yeah. Tasman. Yeah, it's a, a three guys, no, so, no contingency plan. On on the whole, the whole, you know, us relying on on the youth youth players. The problem with that, while in theory it should work, and and you know, RC Dallas is seen as this sort of factory of, of talent. The truth is, is there's 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 drops, there's a drop off from you know all the all the big name talent from the academy has already been promoted to the senior team or has been sold. Now, the next wave that's coming up, you know, your U19s, U18s, U17s, U16s, there's not a player on that roster. Uh, I think Cochran's the only player that comes to mind that people are saying, and Carrera, I say, uh, uh, the goalkeeper, that could possibly help in the next year or two. There's no player on there that, that they, they're going to sign from that bash that isn't going to require two to three years on North Texas uh, uh, SC before they can even be ready to help out the team. The, that now there's a ton of talent coming in the U15s, U14s. There's a, that's the next big batch of talent, but you've got a four-year gap. And 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 like I said, those players you're going to get players like Munjoma. You're going to get players like uh, I don't know Hernandez, stuff like that that are that are. Too good for North Texas SC, but not quite good enough to step in and start for FC Dallas, or or to be key contributors off the bench. And yeah. and I mean, I see what FC Dallas is trying to do, but I mean, with with the ebbs and flow of talent, that's really not possible. They need to come to realization. The big change in the last, let's say, last five years that has happened is. MLS's level has gone up. Maybe not, and I want to bring out the Euro snobs and say, oh, blah, blah. No, seriously, MLS has improved as a league, and it used to be that you could bring in a player from South America to come in and be a starter for you, you know, after some acclimation. That's no longer the, the, the case. You can't just grab a guy who was a star in Colombia and guarantee that he's going to be a productive starter in MLS. And that's that's what's changed yeah. in like the last four or five years. MLS has gone up uh, and just enough that you can't just bring any player from South America and make him a guaranteed starter or guarantee you know give him a guaranteed starting spot. You can't. You saw you saw with uh, O'Brien. It took him a full half season to get going, and there's people out there who are still not convinced he should be our starter next year. You know, because of how uh, how bad it was the first half of the season. And I don't know. I'm just saying it, it's, yeah. it's FC Dallas needs to upgrade the level of free agents they bring in. Even if they they can still keep going with the South American, but they need to spend more. They need to simply get better quality prospects if they want to keep going with the prospect route. Well, and to Ismail's point, I think 
you know, part of that 2015-2016 team, they had these veteran MLS guys who maybe weren't world beaters, but a minor Figueroa, Atiba Harris, Javon Watson. You had these guys who were kind of a little bit of projects, but were also veterans and were just going to be steady and give you minutes uh, and key positions and key spots and not do anything really terrible and end up being vital cogs. And, and we certainly, you know, uh, thought maybe Fafa Pico was going to be that. Man, he... He did quite well in Houston, I mean, relatively, but still, we, we missed some veteran presence. I mean, there are times when we thought, yeah, Fafa or a Dominique Baji or a Tesho would have been great on a team this season to give you well, some vital yeah. minutes, you know? Rasan had a lot of giveaways in, in the back of the final third, and he had those PKs he gave away. Um, Kenyon was giving the ball away as well. I mean, he looked cold on the field. Um, um Ricarte, when he got in the middle, he just, I don't think Ricarte is a bad player. I just think he's not a good fit for our team. And, you know, those are three. And then I always say this, and I'll repeat myself, and I don't care. I'll say it again. Acosta, as good as he is a defender, he's an attack killer. You know, you don't see people on the U.S. national team airing the ball to the goal from 50 yards out or whatever it is when you got all these talent up front, right? You pass the ball to Pulisic, Pulisic dribbles, and you get a nice serve in the box. You don't get that with Acosta. He's a coach killer, in my opinion. Well, you could also argue that he used incorrectly. I, I was going to say, Ricarte to me is Aranguiz 2.0. He's basically another player they brought in who simply didn't fit the system we're running and they never figured out how to use him. Clearly, the guy has talent, but you keep playing him in the wrong spots. I would argue that that's, that's also the case for you see with Pomical. He's being played in the wrong spot. I mean, uh, Thomas Roberts is another player that, that, as talented as he is, couldn't get on the field. These are simply players that. You know, they should have done what Philadelphia did with uh, uh, El Metcahar, who basically we got the homegrown rights from Philadelphia because they don't use wingers in their system. And so they have a talented winger, and Dallas uses him. That's what, I mean, that's really what Dallas should be doing with some of these players, you know, that like, like Roberts. Hey, they don't fit the system. They can't hang on to them and hope that, hey, at some point we're going to be able to fit them in. Ricarte, uh, the time he was here, they just – you know, how hard is it to find, you know, determine in the shorter span, hey, this guy's a fit or not a fit. They can't yeah. just stick on players for two years and hope that at some point they're going to figure out how to use them. They need to yeah. move on from these players at a faster rate. So let, so let Ismail jump in. You had something you wanted to add, Ismail. I think uh, so. So one of the facts at the beginning of the season that uh, in retrospect are, is kind of incredible and also really telling is that in 2021, with Fafa leaving, we were, I think, the only team in MLS to not have a single player on the roster that used to play for another MLS team. We True. were the only team in MLS. Mm. And that's why I think, I mean, there is a spending issue. But even if you have just the, the Hunt's idea of spend very little, uh, even with that concept, there was there's so much talent in MLS that could just be steady and not much else with uh with a with like that could bring you stability. And uh, to to Nathan's point, like we like those Devon Watsons and Atiba Harris's, they're not going to start for you every week, but when they come off the bench, they will actually do something. They're actually going to perform. If someone gets injured, uh, they will step up to the plate and perform well. So one thing that I'm really looking this season is if we don't sign a player from within an MLS from what, from an MLS team. Hopefully, in my opinion, and I think we will get into specifics later on, a center back with MLS experience uh, to help solidify the team. If we don't sign a player from within MLS, then it's telling that the the ownership and the technical staff don't understand what an MLS team needs and are simply looking for a product that they could sell for hot for a high price and make money. Because but, but, it seems really obvious, no? But, but they have brought <laughs> players. They didn't have it this year, but we brought Picard, we brought Baji. We bought, we did bring players in the past from other teams, and they didn't work out at all either. So, you know. Yeah, but, but 
difference is this season we didn't make the playoffs. And I'm, sure. I know that it's not. I, I know it's 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 a cumulative thing, and there are going to be players that don't are not up to snuff. But it's it's a false. It might be a false equivalency, but at the same time, this is one of the worst seasons. We've it, had no, absolutely, no doubt. So, no doubt. I want to add something to that. By the way, initially, there there is a problem that the Hunts have that not a lot of other teams have. And, and while, yes, they, they should bring in more MLS talent from within the league, at the same time, they have to be careful not to block the pathway of some of their academy players that, I mean, is a, are you going to be able to get an MLS guy that's going to be better than Surrey or Cervania? Because if the answer is no, if you can't find someone in MLS that, that, that you're willing to pay for that can come in and who can't beat out Cervania or Surreal on a weekly basis, then why bring them in at all? That's, I'm just yeah. telling you, their point of view is is you're going to bring in guys from, from in the league, but if you believe Tuomasi is better at right back than anyone else you're going to get in a position that is traditionally weak within the league, by the way, uh, that's an issue that they have to figure out is can't you uh, – Picault. We're all talking about Picault. Let's be honest. Picault is a good player on a bad team. Oh, I, 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 I'm not going to buy that one. I'm not a, I'm not a fan of him. I'm just saying, people were like, oh, Fafa's a great year. His team wasn't. So, I'm sorry. If they were playoff teams, then I'd be okay. You know, we screwed up. But I don't mm-hmm. think we did. I remember Bacall disappeared at times. Just the same issue we had with Lama. Disappeared at times. This year, Paxton disappeared over on the wing, but that's because he's being played out of position. And so, he's also injured. He's also injured. And, and yeah, and I mean, everyone knew that this was a year that we had to just swallow and, 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 and just say, hey, we need to just get him on there, and hopefully next year he'll come back stronger. And, okay, that's great. I can live with that. But at the same time, any MLS player that come in, the question is, do we have somebody in the academy that's just as good or we feel is going to get blocked by this person? And and I don't think there's a good answer for that. I yeah. mean. Mm. Yes, yes. The answer is yes. There are players if you're willing to spend the right money, which the Hunts have proven year in and year out. They're not willing. But, but they did like spend money on. Um... I think it's a balance, right? Because like, yeah, like if you're referencing Cerrillo and Cervania, there aren't probably a lot of MLS uh, MLS players that are like that that would be better and also kind of cheap, like at their level. You couldn't really find that many in MLS. But for another position, are you telling me that we could not find a like a decent 400k uh, center back in MLS that could replace Brisson or Martinez? Like we definitely could. That, that, there are like at least five players in the recent free agency list that just got released that are center backs that are definitely better than both Martinez and Brisson. So like that's 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 the balance, right? I mean, yes, you have to be careful about who you sign, especially if you are an academy-driven team. But again, I'm going to reference the center back position because it's really infuriating to me how they dealt with it this season. There are no center backs currently from like U16 up that are going to make an MLS team anytime soon. There, there are maybe maybe. Uh, Pranav Dubrov, I think that's how you pronounce it. But it's like French. And he's like 18. And you're not going to play an 18-year-old. So why are we spending a, a cumulative of like $1.3 million on two center backs on their wage bill when there are players like Josh Williams in Columbus who won two MLS Cups and was a starter for most of that time? like, And who's now a free agent? I know last year he wasn't, but you could have signed him for, I'm assuming, a lot less that you signed both of those players. So that's the balance and the fact that, like, that they haven't signed a good MLS player, like a good player that's played in MLS in a long time, is another issue. Like that's a and, I'm, big and I'm not disagreeing with you, but let's take a further look at that. That those center backs. You have Hedges coming back next year. I like Safari. You're stuck with Martinez because he's he's you know his his contract's guaranteed, and you got Tafari. Versan you can let go, so let's replace Versan. 
here's where the problem comes. Are you going to bring in somebody that's going to take away minutes from Tafari? That's an issue. That's an issue because if, if, if this, you bring in somebody to be your third center back, which they probably will, the question is, is this guy uh, a guy you're going to start ahead of Tafari, or is Tafari going to be your third center back, in which case then you need to go get a fourth center back. And if you're going to go to fourth center back, do you, don't you already have uh, Kaiser from North Texas that you could just promote and take him? And you have the draft coming up. I would think they get a center back in the draft. But that's where they need to hurry up and make a decision to manager because the manager needs to make that decision to come in. Oh, the dominoes. And make that <laughs> and decide, hey, you know, uh, who is that guy going to be? Can we find somebody better than, okay, let's say you decide to far as your number two guy and you got Martinez who's injured a lot this year. There's no guarantee he's going to be healthy next year. Right, and yeah. there's no guarantee we haven't seen you know the peak of Hedges. I mean, uh, you know, yeah, Hedges is not getting any younger. You took the words out of my mouth there. Too. I honestly about... think Safari is the only luck at center back right now. I no love Safari. I think he's going to be good. Yeah, yeah. No one like Hedges, even if he's healthy next year. I mean, well, he's he's aging, and I mean, at at some point, like he's already started declining. But even if he starts, even if he plateaus and stays at the level he's at right now, uh he's going to continue to decline at some point. So, I mean, uh, Martinez is not MLS, is not an MLS starter and should not be. And if you can get rid of him, which I know is going to be very difficult, you should. Like, even if you lose money, but which the Hunts will probably not be happy about, but that's what you should do. You should not re-sign Bersan, which I think is sadly a legitimate possibility with Sonata at the helm. Um so, like, it, it's it's a balance, and I think that there are a lot of center backs coming up in the draft that could be really good backups, like uh, Mariano Fazio at Tulsa, who played for Innocentes FC in Irving and uh, was training with North Texas for a while. But at the same time, again, this was one of the worst defenses we've seen, and I, I cannot, if Hedges is not going to be at the level that he was, you have to have a good backup. And Martinez is not a good backup. And for some, who we hopefully don't resign, is not a good backup. So, yeah. If, if, yeah if, if I may, we started the season out with Hedges hurt. And then uh, we had to play Brazon. Brazon was a liability. And then Martinez got hurt. And Tafari got in. So we really didn't see our top center backs playing, right? I mean, it would have been Hedges. And I think Martinez yeah. was, was... But I think Martinez was a bad Three. signing. I don't, I don't know. Consider... We had like a rotating. We never had a consistent yeah. center back duel. Yeah. Or, but, yeah, you know, it, right it's, back. It's a lot know? of yeah. lot of negativity. But I want yeah. to say that there is some bright stuff on, on our team. If you don't, if you give me, if, if, if you don't mind, just be real quick. Ferreira, Pepe. I mean, there was definitely a lot of highlights from those two guys. Um, Cervania and Cirillo in the middle. They played well. It, you know, um, Edwin in, in the right back did some good things at, at the end of the year, but. And then um, O'Brien had some good games at the end of the year. But this team doesn't have a superstar. It doesn't have a Pulisic that made a difference in the game in the USA. I say there is a foundation here for this team to be very good. But it doesn't have that superstar. And some of the positions do need to be bumped up a little bit. But it's, you know, it shows on the, on the results. Yeah, well, I think they definitely need to create competition across the board. Yes. Bring in another right back. Bring in another center back, you know. Uh, MLS level, and 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 to Ismail's point, you know, you get a guy from MLS, you know they can perform in MLS as opposed to taking a gamble from some South America who may come in and and totally bottom out, you know, and and taking too many of those chances is one of the things that I think sunk us, and and stability, 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 but. Yeah, Kiyong could barely run. I mean, he looked very whole in the field. You know, I mean, that, that's yeah. not the guys that we want to sign. And I, I always wonder about you know, and if you know, because I think he came onto the team after already playing a season, so you know he he may need a, this this off season more than anybody. He may come in with a little fresh fresher take, and we may be surprised. But, but yeah, but, I, I don't I don't know. But but guys, but, we do have a superstar in this team. I mean, other than Ricardo Pepe, <laughs> we have and and Sean, and Sean, but we have goal scorer wonder. He, 
legend. They're not superstars. They're, Frank they're, O'Hara. They're rising stars. Those are rising stars. They're not superstars. They're not players who, who, when the game's on the line, will come, you know, snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. They're up and coming, definitely up and coming with for. Yeah. But no, but, but I'm saying Dan Hunt said we have a goal scoring machine in Frank O'Hara. I mean, we're spending $3 million on the guy. Like. Yeah, so we do have to say that he did spend that money to bring that guy in, you know, and oh my gosh, it could be money better spent, you know, for that price. Our our Pepe's our only hope. I mean, he goes for a record uh, sale, and then the Hunts can take that money and use it to buy out Martinez and Hara and Quinone and Acosta and just clear the board. Well, so, I would I mean, also say Pereira's on the block, I'm too. Happy with that. I don't think there's any guarantee that Ferrero's coming back for sure. I mean, I I also think that if uh, it's 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 uh, it would be great if the Hunts would buy out Hara, if they would buy out Pinon, if they would buy out Martinez. Any of those three would be great buyouts. But we're kidding ourselves if we think the Hunts will swallow that money. It's just not going to happen. The that's Hunts, that's they, like- they will never admit to a bad investment. They will never admit to it. He still sure. thinks Har is great. So, uh, just, and the other thing is have, that I'm sorry, finish. I, I just think that Hara is just what we have to do is just uh, ignore the 2.9 million price tag, however hard that is, and just keep using him as effect uh, in the most effective way he can he, he can perform, which is. The last 20 minutes of a game where he will press the center backs for 10 minutes, get tired, and then do some and it's a really good play, like a good pass or a ninja kick that ends up turning into a goal. So, <laughs> Well, you can definitely say he was a good player. He's lost a step, right? I mean, he's got some good touches. Yeah. And his, his role that he played, I mean, I commend him. When he came in the game, he never, you know, he's a team player. But... What I was going to say is that when we lose players, we don't get new players in right away, remember? So, like, when we lost Santos, when did we get Kenyon? It was a few months later, right? When did we get our left winger in? So, I would be surprised if we get any replacements on for the first day of the, of the game, first week of the season next year. I think that we're looking more players coming in in the summer again. I think that may have something to do with the schedule. Or I don't know what it is, but it's just ridiculous that when we lose players, we don't get players right away. So, uh, I'm expecting well, the worst. So far, you know, I've been following soccer enough to know, and uh, you know, when a, t- a teammate is struggling, a player is struggling, and maybe not living up to expectations, but they start talking about how good he is in the uh, in the locker room. It's kind of like when you're on that blind date, and they say, "Yeah, well, I want you to meet my friend." He goes, oh, "You you say, oh, well, you know, is she is she yeah, cute?" Exactly. And they say, "Oh, she has a great personality." <laughs> like, all right. Okay, they're great teammate. All right, good. Well, all right, but sometimes we need we could take a a jerk of a teammate as long as they they do some amazing stuff on the field. Well, let, let's shift over it, you know, because there's a, so much so much time we could spend thinking about. It. So, you know, I posed this question in the After Dark article a little bit ago uh, last week about kind of you know three kind of scenarios that are pretty generic. Nothing, no hot takes there, but like, yeah, I mean, there is a core to this team. And this team could go in with a lineup roughly of Ferreira, Shun, Obreon, Paxton, Cervania, Cerillo, uh, you know, maybe you know, Hedges, Tafari, Hollingshead, uh, Tuomasi, and, you know, Mar and Goal, kind of a, a steady lineup. And we know that team wouldn't be the least talented team in the league, but it's hard to imagine that they're just going to young guys are just going to take the enormous step up to really have the team compete. Maybe they would, maybe, you know, anything's possible. Uh, so do they kind of stay pat and tinker around the edges? Do they just, do they do this some tweaking, bring it, let go of some guys, bring in five to 10 new faces, or do they blow this thing up? You know, and I'm, I'm hearing in the mix of conversation that, that we, we might have some, some disagreement about which direction they go. So Ismail, I mean, you were saying like, if they could buy out all these guys, they should. So you would be kind of in favor of blowing this thing up and really having a major turnover. But I know you're realistic too. So where do you think FC Dallas goes from here? Well, I think the first step is definitely the head coach, which I think if 
we don't get it before MLS Cup is definitely the, a, a bad sign. If we don't get a new head coach by MLS Cup, there's a problem. Mainly because of how the protected list works. And if Sonata's making all the roster decisions for the protected list and who gets let go, then there's definitely an issue um, if the head coach doesn't have any involvement in that. But if we're just talking uh, about what I want the roster to look like next season, it also completely depends on who leaves. Like Tommy said, Jesus might be gone. Pepe's definitely gone. And another player that I think we should be commenting on is if Shun keeps... Uh, I mean, I know that the World Cup qualifiers are done, but if Shun leaves because of how he's performed and because of the fact that I haven't seen him play for a while, making it look like he's just a stash and sell signing, that we have left wing to be an, another, an, an issue again, as it has been since Fabian mm. Castillo left. Like, what it feels like at this point as an FC Dallas fan 115 years ago. So, if those three are all gone, then that means three out of the four, like, forward area positions are now empty and don't have a starting caliber player and if you don't like Obreon which I don't then that's four spots that you need to replace so that's not going to happen it's just it's just not I think uh when it comes to like up up like at the four because like in the striker and the wingers and the attacking mid you only sell Jesus if a really crazy offer comes. Um, because, mm. I, actually, I think you sell him if you get like a good offer, not crazy. Because the issue is his contract also ends pretty soon. And he doesn't have any options. And he wants to go. So you also don't want to lose money and just not get anything off of him. So you, you, you like him playing for the U.S. is pretty good for you. Because that means that you he he's he's playing he's playing well on the international stage so pep if since pepe's going to leave you need a new striker uh i would argue you don't spend it on a dp because the last time you did that it did not go very well and that's actually a good spot where you can get a really good mls player if you could that's that's i think what you should be going for an mls player that could get you 10 to 13, 14 goals a season uh, consistently would be great. There's, those are few and far in between for those who are available, but that's what you should do. Um, I think that where you spend your DP, if they want to spend for a DP this, this, this offseason, which I think they do, is a defensive mid. Because Surreal is really good, but I think you, like, we need a a player that can cover the entire length of the field. And Surreal is really good at what he does, which is stretching the field out with his possession. But he is not a defensive mid that covers the rest, uh, that covers the back line. Mm. It's, it, he's, that, he's not that kind of player. So I think you really need a defensive mid. Um, I think I think you need a starting center back. I, I know that you guys think Hedges. I know some of you think Hedges can start next season. I'd just be very careful with that. Because again, at this point, I think it's fair to call him injury prone, and we cannot go into the season with Martinez being the center back next to Tafari. We cannot. Um, that's that's only three signings that I've said. If if we're able to keep Shun and Jesus. Three signings doesn't seem that crazy to me. That seems like something doable. It's, I think it's tinkering, if we want to call it tinkering. But again, if Jesus leaves, Shun leaves. Uh, if, uh, like, if, like, hmm. M, like, if Tumasi gets injured in the offseason, which would be terrible in my opinion as a Tumasi fanboy, uh, then we have a serious problem. So then, then it's basically, it's been blown up, and we have to replace all these positions. You know, Shun is an interesting thing because, you know, he started for Hungary the other day, and he hasn't been starting for Yeti Dallas. And now that brings into question, why not? Right? Because we definitely need a left winger. So are we not trying to show what he can do so he will stay with us next year? What's going on with that? Because that doesn't jive, right? Someone, FC Dallas, not starting, 
Hungary international World Cup qualifier starting, you know, my my good season ticket holder next to me is like, why is Sean not starting? And it's a great question. I think there's more to it. I mean, there's something going on there. I don't know what, but it's definitely not for winning and losing. Well, it I doesn't make sense. He was starting when Lucci was here. when Marco took over that he'd stop starting, and that's because I right. think Marco doesn't rate him. You know, that's I don't know why, but he basically had to choose between starting Shun or Paxton, and he chose Paxton. I don't have a problem with that. I mean, it, it's it's Shun or Paxton. You can't start them both. So let's well, move Paxton to the midfield, right? Which come on now, come on now. That's not gonna happen. I'm, I'm still, I'm have, still I over have, here. I have a suggestion. All by right, the go way. ahead. Our DPs are. Let's face it. We haven't been excited about DP in a while. Is and we know Ferreira, who who I know teams are interested, but there's no nobody offering any for, anything for him yet. And his contract, you know, he's got what like a year left, extension left maybe. I, I will. I don't see why you don't sign him to a DP contract. Make him the first homegrown DP. You, he's a proven player at MLS. He's a guy who's still on the rise. And then you guarantee that he'll at least be here for another year or two, and teams will have to basically make a really big offer for him, so he can't just walk. You know, I, I'm I I don't see why not. You, you're not going to be able to replace Pepe, but you could replace him with Jesus. Now, if they lose Pepe and Jesus, now we've got a problem. But I think having Jesus around when Pepe is gone that softens that blow, because you could push Jesus up. To your to be your uh, your number nine, uh, I mean your um, yeah your, your number nine. So well, even if it's just a false nine, but I'm just saying. Jesus as a DP. Mm. Name why not? Name one player whose first game was against U- Mexico in a World Cup qualifier at a at a nine. Jesus Ferreira, he came in yeah. and played as a nine at yeah, that level. I, that guy yeah, is going to be I leading just, us. Yeah, I, I think that's the main issue, right? Uh, when Paxton and Jesus signed those big contracts that everyone was talking about back in 2018, Paxton signed a contract with, like, three three option years. Jesus signed a contract with zero option years. That tells me that Jesus wanted to go at the end of his... near, near the end of his contract. Because... Uh, th- at that point, when you don't have options, uh, there there is no guarantee that you stay with the team after that, because then what, like your contract is over. So the fact that he doesn't have options on his contract tells me that when his contract was close to like when the contract is going to end in 2022, he wants to be gone by that point. He he has aspirations for Europe. We know Paxton's not like he has aspirations, but he's diehard FCB. For me, that just uh, Jesus' contract tells me he wanted to go, and I think him mm. playing at the level that he has this season proves that that he he's really trying so that Europe so some European team can come and get him. He's faster than Pepe, I think. Yeah, but I mean, you could offer, you could give him a Reggie Cannon type contract where you basically say, "Hey, structure it in a way where where we have to sell you, but you keep him around for another year or two. I think you could do that with Jesus. You probably can't do that with Pepe. Well, and the one thing working against FC Dallas in this too is that um, if Ferreira can lock down a starting spot and, you know, he goes into FC Dallas his next season, stays with the team and and earns consistent minutes and gets a World Cup spot, um, you know, that the whole timing is he'll be a free agent post-World Cup, right? If Since World Cup's all in the the winter. I mean, there's some of that timing that really works against FC Dallas. But I, I do think... I don't think he would do wrong with FC Dallas if they said, "Look, we'll give you a nice raise, and you know, but we'll let you go for a reasonable price." And then, you know, he probably would say yes to that. You know, I don't know, I but I don't know because, because he's not understand Pepe no money, money. You know, at least not right now. But given a year or two after Pepe's gone, he could easily elevate to that to that level. So yeah, we heard that Pepe wants to leave, right? But. I think it's good for them to stay here and get the minutes and be ready to go for World Cup. It's good for the World Cup. I mean, really, that's the only selling point. The only selling point for keeping them in Dallas for another year is the World mm-hmm. Cup. Sure. Go to another team, and then there's no guarantee that they're going to get minutes play. in the U.S. 
because they're fighting to be on another team. I, I think so, that's a plus for FC Dallas. Yeah. Well, look, uh, we, we need to wrap up here in a minute, so we're going to finish with our highs and lows. But first, I just want you to know that I'm still reeling from our friend Ismail here saying that he doesn't rate Obreon, but he rates Tumasi. And I just, I can't, I'm just... Um, <laughs> I think Obreon has definitely proven toward the end of the season he's worth being a starter, you know, more than not. So, I, I think, I, I should clarify, Obreon has performed higher higher than expectations at the end of the season. Um, and I think his goal tally shows um, that he started to adapt to the league. Um, I just think that at times like this, the eye test is really important. Uh, I, I, I really think, especially when it comes to uh Ta- talented like our wingers and and their and their skill and their ability uh, to take players one on one to give good crosses into the box, uh, the, that the eye test is important. And when you compare the minutes we've seen from Shun and the minutes where we've seen from Overeon, Overeon still does the thing that he started the season as, where he runs at a player and generally loses the ball. Like, oh, I like, disagree there. It's lower. Disagree. It's lower. I look. It's lowered over the season. Like at the beginning of the season, it was atrociously yeah, yeah. bad. How much his 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 ability to pass defenders were. I mean, it's improved, but I still think he loses the ball way too frequently. He dives a lot less, but he still dives, and it's and it's still more than any other player on the team. He still <laughs> dives a lot. Um, I think. I wouldn't mind him starting next year. I think if he continues his progression, he's going to become m- much better. Like he's going to become really good. And I think what uh, was said on by FC Dallas on Twitter that uh, not FC Dallas. I think this was Eddie who said it on his personal account that Barrios was really bad his first year. That is true. Barrios was not good in 2015 when he first came. So I think Obreon. I, I want to give him another season, but I just. I don't know, man. It's just the amount of times he dives and like like does like a like falls over, and and the amount of times he isn't able to pass defenders is too much in my opinion. Mm. Well, whereas Emma Tumasi doesn't lose the ball, so Emma Tumasi, I've never seen him lose the ball when it's at his feet. Like, I don't I don't remember a time when he's done. I know yeah, there's I mean, positions, but that kind of comes and goes with the position, right? If you're playing right back, your possession, but. You know, when you're playing a right wing, you have to go take people on, and you're going to lose the ball, or you're going to get a shot off. He did have a beautiful cross to Jesus in the final games of the season, and he scored some really nice goals at the end of the year. And his touches in the final third, his cutting, he was breaking people's ankles. Now, you know, I I think he's a little like little, and he's not tough, you know, strong like Barrios was, but he's definitely, in my opinion, proven he can start. Uh, I still would like to have some other wingers, you know that. You know, I don't feel like we have another winger on the team. And I want to add that to, to what Tommy just said. The problem isn't Obreon as a starter. The problem is that there's nobody behind him. He played, what, 34 matches? I mean, right. like, was he the Iron Man this year for the team? The, I nope. think he – I mean, of all the players that started games, I don't think anybody started or played as many minutes as Obreon. Yeah. We all took turns kicking him. And saying how bad he is and how bad he's done, and I know I've done it, and I know everybody here has done it, mm-hmm. and I know he finishes in strong. But this guy got almost no rest. This yeah. guy played almost every single match this season, and it's something that nobody's given him credit for. And I like to see how he does next year with a little rest, having you know maybe El Metcar will make the step or 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 Redzik or or somebody they'll bring in somebody where he can actually rest him. Because think about it, 34 games, that means that he was playing even in midweek games. So there's a guy who who basically wasn't getting the rest uh, or, or rotating out like everybody else. You know, And, and because so, we didn't have anybody on the, on the other side, he was that, getting a lot of attention. So I'm okay with Obreon being the starter next year, but I would like them to bring in somebody to compete with him. To push him to get better because if no, if you're not fighting for your job, there's no reason for you to improve, and that's honestly all they need. They need to bring in somebody to compete with Obreon 
so that he doesn't have to start 34 games, you know, you know, playing 34 matches next year. He can rest if he's nicked up. We don't know if he had any injuries because the guy was, you know, you never heard him complain about or hobble off or anything. Can Vargas do what Brian did and become a good player? <laughs> I think Vargas is getting his uh, loan yeah. made it. So. Yeah, Vargas is already in Venezuela, according yep. to his own Instagram. He's okay. showing there. Man, he only played a couple minutes that last game, and how I don't know how he could even look any worse. Man, it was, it was, it was terrible. But he just did. He he looks great in North <laughs> Texas. Too good to be playing in North Texas, but not good enough to play in yeah. FC Dallas, which is some uh, a re- reoccurring, reoccurring theme with a lot of players. Well, let's end with our highs and lows. This has been a great conversation. It's the night is stretching on. So one high point, one low point for the season. I'll start, and I'll just say. Uh, you know, because uh, there's plenty of obvious choices. So I'll just say uh, Tafari, um, just great, almost another one of those guys that FC Dallas sort of lucked into and who stepped up and we just saw the growth of the guy. And a guy who has a lot of personality, a lot of style, is a fun guy, looks like, to have around the team um, for social media. For uh, You know, just a, seems like a great guy. Uh, low point, um, gosh, got to say, uh, there's so many. Uh, but... Definitely when Hara missed that PK uh, um, a, few, a few games back, which at least could have uh, tied the game up or put the game into a win column. But uh, anyway, just one of those things where you're just like, man, let's fast forward this season. Let's fast forward it. All right, Jose, what about you? Uh, I'm going to go with the obvious. The high, of course, is is. Not one, but two, uh, Pepe and the return of Jesus, you know, breaking out of that sophomore slump. So those two guys, to me, are the high of the season. The, you know, the main reason why people had a reason to go watch the team when they were losing is because you want to see those kids play. My low is the decline of Matt Hedges. Because we talk about all the reasons that, that the defense struggled, but... We always, we as fans, took for granted what what a cog hedges, and we just expected him to be there and be solid all year round, and that didn't happen. He had the injuries, and then when he came back, I mean, I'm sorry, but I thought Verzano was outplaying him because even even hedges was giving up PKs and 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 getting, you know, he was playing subpar because he clearly wasn't healthy, you know, and we don't know if that's a, I mean, I heard his injuries back related, he. Yeah. You don't. There's no guarantee that he may even recover, you know, and be back to his former self. So I think for me, that's that's the the, the law is coming to realization that 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 you know the the rock that holds that backline that holds this team together may have maybe crumbling and 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 may need to be replaced. You know, we don't know for sure how bad his injury is, but like I said, when he came back, you could tell he was not. He was not the Matt Hedges of old, and now you have to really worry. Uh, as Mel has been saying, when you know another center back, he may be right. And it may not be to replace Brazon or Martinez. It may be to replace Matt Hedges. Mm. All right, Tommy, your turn. Yeah, I think, you know, we got to give it up to Jesus and Ferreira. Those guys have really stepped up. I mean, I would say, you know, Ferreira, but – I mean. I, Pepe, but Ferreira is just uh, taking up another notch, and even at the U.S., even Pepe too. Brian, or Brian, as we just talked about, he is definitely, you know, the end of the season, he improved by leaps and bounds. And Tafari, I thought, did a great job when he got in the game. And I was a little surprised, I don't know if he got injured or not, but at some point they took him and was not playing him. So, I and I think Edwin at right back has been solid, and Cervania at the end of the year played well in the midfield. If not spectacular, solid, right? Well, no, no, those guys, I mean, those guys who are, who, are, who are above average, I want to just shout out to them that they, they really, you know, stepped it up. I mean, they really improved. O'Brien was night and day from game one to the end of the year. And same thing a little bit for Sylvania. And definitely, uh, Tonasi, when he got in the game originally first, it was, you know, every, he grew a little bit every game, right? And the lows, you know, definitely the back line, but I think, the low, low, low has got to go to Zanata for his ma- roster manager this year, selling Santos, selling Tessman in the middle of the year, bringing Quinone in the middle of the year, signing Vargas in the middle of the year as a starter. We started Minjoma at the right back. 
the low point, low, low goat is Zenodo. All right. And last but not least, our new friend is Mel. Take us home. Um, I'm going to start off with low because uh, I, I want to end on a high. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, but I think I think the low point for me was the Houston game where we lost 3-2. Um, I mean, it, it, it had been accumulating at that point. Uh, after we won, we had like those three wins and a draw in the middle of the season. We went, we couldn't win for like 10 straight games or something like that, something very depressing. And everything that happened in that Houston game, uh, it was it was my second away game that I ever attended. Uh, and the first one with like the supporters and it just, was really deflating. Even Overeon scoring two goals at the end couldn't really do anything. And after that, like the next day, Lucci got fired, and it was just it, like I know that firing Lucci was probably the right move, but I think a lot of us haven't reflected that it's it's a really sad departure because of how much he's he's put work into this team. Since he joined the academy, like I agree with a decade it. ago, it's it, it was it's very sad that he 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 left this team on such a low note after how 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 well he was able to uh, coach a team for two years in his first head coaching job, his first professional head coaching job, and then leaving the team that he bled for on a very low note on the worst mm. season. Uh, FC Dallas in a long time and I think the high note uh, was lifting, lifting Copa Tejas I think it's a it, it was a, a really fun thing to like I've, all the games I've been I've been to this year except for like two have been with the supporters and the amount of joy and jubilation that came from it how much people how much the supporters were, like like were jumping and cheering for like after the Har's goal until like 20 or 30 minutes after the game ended. That's all they were doing. Lifting Copa Tejas, beating Austin twice in a year where they thought they would dominate. It's was it three times? Three times, my bad. Yeah, we beat them three times in a year <laughs> that they thought they would dominate. Uh, the only good thing that's come out of this season, besides player performances, is the fact that we are the best team in Texas, which isn't saying a lot, but it's a great thing. Thank you for clarifying that. I appreciate that. I'll take that, too. <laughs> yeah, that is good. I mean, that is a, a nice thing and hopefully something to build on next year. Hey, well, real, oh, real quick, if, sure. I want to say something real quick. Uh, you know, Lucci got let go, but there was also another coach that got let go, Grand Benny. I want to bring it up, and I forgot. Because Greg Bent is – I'm not to say his name right, but he is now the coach of the USA U20. Varus, so you mean? Yeah, did I say his name wrong? Mikey yeah. Varus. Mikey Varus, yeah. yeah. So, not good for FC Dallas, but then, you know, now he's at U20 USA. So, tell me what's going on here, you know. Yeah, and it sounds like Lucci turned down, had maybe had an offer for the U20 or had some interest. They had some... And and Lucci wanted to wait for that next head coaching job, and and in the meanwhile they interviewed Varus and said, hey, this guy, you know, comes from that tradition, knows Lucci's way, and um, you know, get, and because his first outing was really rough, they got crushed, but uh, you know, it's going to take some time. They managed to draw against Columbia mm-hmm. in the second game. I, I I don't know if they played the third game yet. Uh, I guess time will tell what kind of coach Gucci is because I don't know that he had a fair chance is where I was going with that. Same thing with the coach that got promoted to USA. Are they bad coaches or are they in the bad situation? Well, let me tell you, that chum chat today was great to listen to. And I was intrigued because they, you know, to get Tanner to talk, get these guys to talk about Lucci. Oh, sometimes yeah, yeah, people yeah. say, "Oh, they didn't like Lucci." Lucci, some of the youth, and I'm sure some of the youth players don't like their coach. You know, for all kinds of reasons. Um, because we're people and we hold grudges. But like Tanner said, one of the things Lucci would always say is like, even in youth, the, the academy was that you got to approach every day like someone else is going to take your job. Because they might, you know. And, and uh, so you got to play that way on the field. You got to come to practice with that attitude. You got to coach that attitude. And so uh, it sounded like T- Tanner loved Lucci and really respected him and, and wished that Lucci could have done better. But um, 
so yeah, I think Lucci is going to be all right. It may take a while for him to get that next head coaching job, but I think he'll land somewhere in between. But we'll see what Vars can do. I, I you know, we'll see. Okay, on uh, on Vars, by the way, I had to kind of defend him on social media because some people were questioning his hire, and you know, he's an assistant, and I'm like, you know, all the people that went after turned that job down. So anybody, any MLS, anybody with MLS head coaching uh, aspirations, pretty much turned that U20 job down. So the the best thing you go after that is go after an assistant, preferably one from one of the top academies in MLS. So I mean that narrows it down to an assistant from FC Dallas, Philadelphia, Red Bull. And that's about it, you know. And so you went after you went and got a guy that was assistant for FC Dallas. I mean that's brilliant. You you're getting one of the, one of the guys that knows the FCD Academy well, you know. And, and and because he knows the academy, I'm sure he's you know under, knows uh, some of the other top academies too. So I think that was a very smart move for by the U.S. to to get Mikey Vars in there. I don't know. I can't speak to the level of his coaching, but we will find out. Neither. Yeah. Well, let's let's leave it there, guys. I just want to thank you all for coming on tonight. I know uh, there's a lot of news that we'll be breaking over the off season. Maybe we'll do a an, an off season one at some point here, but. Uh, we just appreciate all of our listeners, all the folks following along. Of course, I'll load this up on our podcast on anchor.fm slash big D after dark. And you can subscribe there and uh, or on Spotify and other places. So we're just grateful. And Ishmael, thanks for joining us tonight and uh, lending some thoughtful stuff. We're hoping yeah. it's, a, Thank you. it's a great off season. All right. Well, enjoy everybody. Enjoy the off season. Um, and of course, check out bigdsoccer.com for a lot of writing and reflection on where FC Dallas goes next. Have a great one, guys. Yep. Have a great one.